fine. Uh, hey guys, what's up? Jeremy. It's Emmett here with Cartel Aristocrats cast number 57. I'm joined this week with my co-host Jim Caselli of Caselli Charcuterie, Travis Allen of Travis's Toasted Truffles, Ed Wynn of Edwards Edibles, and Douglas Johnson of DJ's DJ Jams. We'd like to thank our sponsors Gathering Magic and CoolStuffInc.com who have provided us with gift certificates to give away. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more, a 25% BIOS bonus, and their ever-popular customer rewards program, CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. We thought we'd uh, get the old cast back together after Doug's continued fame over on uh, Brainstorm Brewery. Uh, I seem to remember one of the things you told me when I left this cast for Brainstorm Brewery was that I was selling out. Yeah. But after that little spiel, <laughs> I don't think you can say anything yeah. other than advertising for cool stuff. You can say that all you want. but Right. No, man, we thought we'd take the uh, MTG Finance Millions and get another sponsor on board. Uh, you know, I don't, we're clearly making money. I mean, like, if, you're, if your listeners spend more money at Cool Stuff than uh, at patreon.com slash brainstorm brewery, that's up to them. That is entirely up to them. Yeah, do, do they get any rewards for Patreon, or is it just more that you're finally not a subhuman over there on that cast? Jason will message you on Twitter and call you something vaguely racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's the uh, Brainstorm Brewery uh, premium. But uh, Doug was on our cast for a lot of listeners who are new ever since we've uh, worked stuff out with Gathering Magic and uh, sort of gotten our name out there. Doug used to be one of the old co-casters. Uh, he was poached or sniped or how sold out all the Enough. evil things to a much greater cast called Brainstorm Brewery. And uh, we figured we'd have him back on. Uh, since he's getting a little washed up and too big for his britches. Um, this week, there's a couple of things to talk about. If you guys sort of want to go over uh, what happened this week for each of you, I know uh, each of you had some stuff going on as far as like sales or exactly what you're doing to prepare for Vegas, if you guys sort of want to go down the line. Wait, so just what I'm doing to prepare for Vegas or just life in general? I mean, either. Uh, in terms of stuff that I'm selling at Vegas, uh, I'm... I have a couple of ogred box thousand count boxes of like mostly casual jank dollar two dollar stuff that hasn't really sold at the shop in the past few months. Uh, stuff like stuffy doll, shadowborn apostle, um, wild nacatl, just all those random dollar two dollar picks that you find in bulk. Um, and then uh, I also will be hoping to unload my nine point five lotus there to one of the international vendors who I have heard through grapevine will be buying relatively aggressive on power so i'll be bringing a 9.5 unlimited lotus and a ancestral recall that's super super nice um a mox jet uh just some unlimited power um and then i will also be working with haruya shop uh on wednesday and thursday so come visit that booth because there's a reason i'm working for them and it's because they're a really great store and they pay the best on pretty much everything Oh, you didn't what even else? mention the biggest thing in Vegas. Oh, yeah, I'm also getting married. But like, Oh, yeah, not... just that thing. I'm going to let you know your future wife that you forgot about her. That's fine. Yeah. Ed, anything go on now that you're finally back from vacation? Uh, no, I'm still on vacation. Currently sitting in a mansion south of Spain looking at buying a new villa. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, uh, I'm here in Madison, Wisconsin on in an Airbnb uh, I was here at Pokemon Regionals this weekend. Um, 
It's the last one of the season. It was a con. Decided to vend that. Had no interest in going to Omaha. Weekend was all right. Pokemon's average. Conventions are average. Uh, my Vegas plans are still up in the air. That's, that, that, yeah, that's me. Do you have any advice for a store that's looking to get into Pokemon? Because the LGS that I have a consignment agreement with is is like looking to uh, get into the Pokemon trading card game in terms of events and all that stuff and like doing like little like video game days and like card game days for the kids and all that stuff like so in the in-store events i'm not the best person to see but i actually know like very little about pokemon i actually barely know how to play the game etc i'm like i more or less deal with the finance and travel side of it um it's it's a very different market like you have to understand like you have a lot of smaller transactions right cards are naturally it's a kid's game cards you just don't have like you know, twenty dollar mythics like you do a magic. I, there are some, but it, it doesn't make up the majority of your deck. You, the decks are like two hundred dollars. Um, a big part of the game is you have to appeal to all types of people. There's lots of like when I was at con this weekend, there are people who came to a con. The con was built around the the regional event, um, but there are plenty of people who came to a con purely to buy and sell cards. We definitely sold lots of things like plushies, toys. Uh, Lots of people like like the game simply for the art, for like nostalgia, collectability, etc. So you have to kind of be able to appeal to a a wide uh, a wide range of people. So just like carrying like staples, like playing Magic Swords, like they only have like standard modern legacy staples. That's not gonna fly in Pokemon again because you need to appeal to the more casual players. You need to sell like things like the various box sets because parents love to have those things to buy as gifts. Um, that's why like Pokemon Bulk does so well because usually they get packaged up into instant collections and it's easier to sell them to a parent. Like, oh, here's like, you know, here's a five hundred count box that has like twenty-five rares, a bunch of energies and uncommons, and that's way better value than spending five dollars on a booster pack. Um as for starting out, like how to run events, um, that's not the question for me, unfortunately. I don't deal with that part upstairs in the in the actual store itself. So um gotcha. Yeah, but in terms of the actual card game, like that's kind of the bison game. People like a lot of old nostalgic things. Like people will buy old Game Boys, Game Boy Advances. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so that's kind of obvious. I bought my first Pokemon collection on Craigslist uh, this past week, and it was basically five hundred and six hundred cards in like a plastic bag. Yep. And uh, like I picked out all the energies, all the trainer cards, all the Pikachu's, all the starter Pokemon, because I assumed that those like the Pikachu's would be buy listable like more than bulk. I guess. Yep. 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 Okay. Yeah. How much did you pay for that bag? Twenty bucks. Yeah, that's about right. I pay like twenty or thirty per K, and then I just throw it in a five row, and I say a quarter per card, yeah. and then like people just come in and go crazy. And then there was some like actual rares in the collection too. Apparently, there was like a vile plume that's like two or three dollars a piece. Like, and then um, the collection also had a bunch of those like unused because when you buy a pack of Pokemon, it comes with a code in the back of one of the tip cards or whatever, and that code can be redeemed on the Pokemon Online game for an actual booster pack online. Um, if you're thinking, wow, Magic should do that, eh, maybe. Um, but, uh, like, I traded all those online card codes that was, like, 35 of them at, like, 50 cents a piece to a local here who's trying to get into the game online, so. Seems good. Yeah. Jim, how was uh, your week? Uh, it's pretty good. I just want to just take a quick second on the Pokemon stuff. I haven't played a ton of it, but I've played a little bit of the video game, and I've read some stuff because I, I thought about playing the card game, but I just don't really have a lot of time. Uh, what I do know is that you should, if you're going to run events or try to run events, it's it's different than Magic because they don't have them for every store, uh, and you have to reach out to like the local judge to figure out who the TOs are. 
because I know in Florida they have one guy that judges pretty much all of Central and South Florida events, and if you don't have him in your schedule, then he you just don't get any events. Like you don't get pre-releases or anything like that. So if you're looking to build your um, local following outside of just like rando like F and M style no no rewards kind of tournaments or just like booster packs or whatever. Uh, you need to get in contact with the local judge. Okay. And how was your week otherwise, Jim? Uh, it's pretty good. I played some Commander because that's the only format worth playing. Um, and I bought some more cards for Commander because that's the only format worth playing. Um, and I finished the deck, so obviously I had to build another deck to uh, to have fun with. Um, you also made me pay extra on shipping just because... You know? Listen, man. I appreciate I appreciate your very quick shipping. Um, there were some cards that cool stuff was out of stock on. I asked around, "Hey, do you have like this rando thing?" And then I forgot to also ask for this other rando thing. So, you know, Doug unfortunately had to spend another you know like fifty six cents or whatever to ship two envelopes instead of one. But um, I don't know. Commander's great. Um, you can play it while you're drinking, and you don't have to care who wins and who loses, and you don't have to go to your LGS, so you don't have to deal with all this smelly, obnoxious, yelling nerds. So I'm a fan. Um, working on getting my stuff ready for Vegas. I'm probably not going to sell any cards. Um, I'm not even sure if I'm going to buy any cards. I might just like browse cases and be like, oh, that's a sweet foil I don't own yet. Oh, you'll, buy, you'll, you'll buy stuff. Impulse buys is like half of Vegas. No, I know. Like, I'm not planning to buy anything, which means that I am less likely to buy stuff. Like, the Las Vegas, I went with like a shopping list of like what stuff I wanted to buy and how much I wanted to pay for it. And by the end of the weekend, I had purchased all of the things for close to what I wanted or opened them. So this time, I'm not really looking to get any of the cards that are going to be there. Like, there's no Modern Masters Grand Prix, so there's not going to be a ton of people opening that stuff. So I really don't have a ton of things that I'm looking for. Uh, I also I mean, don't really have cards, be cards. They'll be strippers. Probably not that either. My fiance is coming with me. Like it, it, it'll pro- yes. I'll, probably, I'll probably end up spending more money on dinners than I will on anything else. I think that's going to be true for all of us. Yeah, that that's like my, my plan is to come with some cash to spend on casinos and magic cards, and then I'll use my card for all the dinners. Travis, how was your week? Uh, all right, not too bad. Uh, speaking of uh, greasy nerds that Jim was mentioning, I continue to get a lot of feedback on an article I wrote about fashion advice for the warm weather. Uh, managed to sell a playset of foil future site groves, which is pretty exciting because I bought them like five years ago when they were a lot cheaper than they are today. Other than that, I finally sat down and ogre boxed all of my junk that I wanted to get rid of that I've been complaining about for the last two months on this cast. Uh, Definitely took some time, but it uh, wasn't too bad. Other than that, nothing too exciting. Trying to decide what we're going to do for Vegas. We have uh, like Thursday afternoon free, so we're trying to like figure out. We were talking about trying to go to the Grand Canyon, but apparently you can get to the Grand Canyon in like two hours, which is definitely day trippable. The problem is that apparently the part of the Grand Canyon you can get to in two hours isn't that great. So I think like you have to go like four hours to get to the good part of the canyon, which is obviously not really easily day trippable and even if it is it's like a huge time investment so probably not going to do that but uh, apparently the hoover dam is like 45 minutes away so we might check that out um so if you're looking for that type of thing i think that's what your might be your best bet but uh about everything 
How about yourself, Jeremy? I was at a GP Omaha. It was great. Bilas were not super aggro and everything. Um, however, there were there was only 800-ish people there along nine vendors, which is pretty good for the vendor ratio. Uh, about half the vendors were not busy at all that weekend. Their Bilas sucked, like plain and simple. Um, a couple by a couple vendors I finagled and lowballed on because they just weren't getting much business and. You know, if you start buying X amount of cards, like it starts turning heads and they'll start uh, going down on you. Not in that not in that sense, just as far as prices are concerned. And um, our sponsor, Cool Stuff, had like, uh, they were buying Shadowborn Apostles at a dollar and Cyclonic Rifts at like way too much. So you could arbitrage a ton of that stuff if you had traded into it. Um, faded cards from Modern Masters 17, if that's something our listeners haven't heard of, uh, if you're watching the video... This is what a faded Liliana the Veil looks like. It's super pale. Uh, so Cool Stuff had a bunch of that, and they're heavily played in foreign binders. And I just was like, hey, I'll buy all this at X percentage. And uh, I got it all, so I'm just going to flip most of it on Facebook or locally probably and sell the and keep like some of it for my cube. Um, one of the vendors, Tales of Adventure, I'm friends with uh, the owner, and Ed's buddy was working there as well that weekend. I uh, wanted to free up some capital, so I was able to aggressively purchase a Mishra's workshop from them and an Italian uh, Tabernacle of Pendril Veil, which I already flipped. So it was a very good weekend overall. Legacy was very good. Uh, I played a real stupid deck and actually did well with it. And uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of money to be made at Vegas after talking with some of the vendors. So I hope our listeners, if you're going to Vegas, you know we keep repeating it, but this is the place where you can make or lose the most money uh, for this entire year as far as like having 40 different vendors to go to for this GP and shop around. Uh, there's going to be a lot of blood in the water and why not get ready for it instead of just showing up with a box of crap and just saying, you know, put this on your BIOS mat. I'll take whatever you offer. You really should be preparing for this because you're probably going to get our ogre. Uh, our uh, if, you, if you put in the work for ogre boxes for this, you're going to make like an extra 10 to 20% easily on your cards uh, in Vegas. And uh, if we do a cast uh, next week before Vegas, uh, we'll probably go over which vendors to go to and which ones to stay away from. If that's something people are interested in, uh, feel free to leave feedback. We've been getting way better at answering viewer questions on Facebook and Twitter. So if you guys don't mind, I'm going to pull some of them up uh, for all of us to answer, including Doug with all of his experience. So just give me a second to pull these up. Uh, We're getting a lot more feedback lately than we used to be getting on the cast, which is great. So this awkward silence is pretty great, huh? (laughs) All right, while you're doing that, uh, let's talk about who won the store credit this week. So our our listener on Twitter, David Moreno, uh, his... Twitter handle is Monkey Manu, I believe. Uh, send the Cartel Aristocrats Twitter account a DM, and I will get back to you. And uh, congratulations on your store credit. Uh, next week, if you'd like to win some store credit, you can check out the when we post this cast on Facebook. So that'd be Facebook.com/slash Cartel Finance. All right, you guys ready for some viewer questions to go over? I'm assuming that's yes. 
No. All right. No, I don't want to no. listen to anything. Mm-mm. This is actually pretty important. Uh, Mitch Rudy at the only nom asks, what methods do you use to catalog your collections and specs rather than the sorted 5Ks of sets for stores? He wants to know if we use spreadsheets or websites to track our collections or specs. Uh, TCG player inventory for everything worth $3 or more. Um, and that TCG player inventory is like set sorted and alphabetized in five row boxes. Um, and then like all the cheap stuff just gets thrown into like $1 or $2 boxes for like the shop. Um, obviously I run a little bit different operation than most people, but, uh, like all the cheap stuff just gets thrown into bulk boxes. And if I have a lot of it and if it's frequently asked for, I will have it like set aside in a display case, like for beast within wild Nacatl, um, Shadowborn Apostle, like Lightning Bolts, Brainstorms, Preordains, Ponders, all that stuff is like separate and readily accessible for players. But for the most part, if you're looking to like catalog expensive stuff, I just use a TCG player inventory. It's simple, it's easy. And then when I want to just like flick it on and turn it on, I can get like 100 or 200 orders in a day. Ed? Um,. I, I won't go into too much detail about the store, like, and how the store does it. Uh, I imagine that probably is the scope of what uh, our viewer had in mind. But back when I had a personal collection, for the most part, everything was just, um, it was, everything was true, true alphabetized. Uh, I had a near mint box, light play box, moderate play box, and anything below that was kept in a separate box. It was just way easier to pull orders. Um, that's actually how TCG player, um, that's how they do things at the warehouse. They have a wall that's only near mint cards, a wall that's only LP cards, and they just kind of go down the line. It's basically foolproof. You can't, you you don't have the problem of oh, I actually pulled the white play card when I was supposed to pull the near mint card, etc. Um, in terms of cataloging, when back when I did like before, kind of before TCG, I just kept things on a spreadsheet. Uh, I up to a certain point when I stopped caring, I would basically kind of keep track of like what I was into certain things for, like depending on the amount. Um, it was kind of, I kind of did it like by Ogre Box. I basically just have like, oh, these are all things I paid a dollar on, two dollars, etc. And then that way I could kind of keep track of what my margins were. There's just way more tools nowadays. Um, so kind of find the mix that works for you. Usually it's like one or two ways. It's like some balance between being able to find things easily and just not retaining too much information that just kind of blows your mind when you have to kind of process it. Uh Wait, Jim didn't go, right? Yeah, okay, let Jim go. Um, I mean, if I have a bunch of stuff that I'm looking to sell, I just alpha sort it, put it in a box, and if I'm listing on TCG Player, do that. Past that, I don't really catalog my stuff very well, which is problematic, because then I just have like piles of shit like this on my desk, where I'm like, man, where did I put my six Cyclonic Rifts? Well, it's one of these piles, and then I waste 15 minutes looking for it. Uh, so, can, I'm sorry, can you repeat exactly what question am I supposed to be answering here? How do you catalog your collection and or specs? Uh, so collection, I mean, that's going to be different for everybody because it kind of depends on what magic you're playing. I'm not, at this point, I'm not playing really any formats other than Commander, but I have a binder of like EDH singles, just a nice fat binder, um, just, you know, one and two ofs of all my EDH stuff. Then I have a binder of um, that I used a lot more regularly in the past, which was modern play sets of cards that weren't that expensive. So like anything at like 10 bucks or less, I just shoved them all in nine pages. So like if I needed my 
lay, maybe maybe like ley line of the sanctities or if I needed I mean spirit guides or you know uh, paths and all that type of crap I just had a binder with all that stuff so I could pull play sets out um, and then I have a, a one of those four row binders for like nice for my nice personal collection duels all that type of crap um, for spec for what I'm selling I can actually show you it's uh, I just did this the other day for a while I just had a pile of cards sitting on my desk two two towers down by the way well okay so I've been seeing it go down for everybody every time somebody talks can you can't see me right now nope but have you been able to see everyone else while they're talking yes okay so there must be a problem with my character right. or something I'll continue on I just okay so in any case I used to just have like a tall stack of cards that was um, that was not alphabetized or organized at all, and it was kind of miserable to look through cards. So I switched to a uh, to a fat pack box. So I'm gonna put it on camera just in case. But I have just like two or three of these floating around that's just alphabetized, but not only by the first letters. So like all the A's are together, but I don't bother to get it more um, more accurate than that because you know I've only got I think like 150 unique cards listed on TCG Player. It's not that much. So I don't have a huge volume of inventory that I have to manage. So a couple fat pack boxes, organized A's, B's, C's, and so forth is um, it's pretty easy to be able to find what you want and uh, not have to put that much work into keeping track of it. And then as far as I'm concerned, I'm the worst when it comes to all of us. I just have boxes of stuff. And then like if something spikes, I'll be like, oh, that spiked. I should probably go find it. And then I never find it because I have too many cards and my inventory system is horrible. Like my customers make fun of it too. That so. happens to me with bulk rares a lot just because all of my bulk rares are just bulk rares. I don't have them color sorted or set sorted or anything yet. So like I just went through 30,000 bulk rares over the past week or two and I pulled out like 30 or 40 Dark Salvations, uh, like a bunch of Siege Behemoths, uh, Well of Ideas, Deflecting Palm, uh, Rally the Ancestors, Assault hey, Formation, well of all ideas. that stuff. What about Well of Ideas? I need one. Oh my god, Jim. <laughs> Making sales while on a live podcast. Classic uh, Doug right there. Yeah. That was another it wouldn't, one be, it wouldn't yeah. be cartel aristocrats if there wasn't stuff going on that we had no intention of getting into or discussing ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of this next time, just like a straight up deck list. <laughs> speaking of, uh, speaking of uh, getting into stuff. Uh, we have a brand new listener that wanted to ask us a question. Uh, he asked us on Facebook, which we're generally the most responsive to, unless uh, the person replying is Ed. Uh, it says, hey, new listener to the podcast and have truly enjoyed it so far. And this is in Doug's wheelhouse. You guys talk a lot about how Commander 2016 sealed products are a slam dunk if you can pick it up. What are your suggestions to do with it? Sell it um, immediately sealed, hold it, or part it out. I found three Yidras just chilling at my local Walmart. I believe, first of all, we said Commander 2017, where almost every set has an EV of, like, way over what they're going for. Uh, the fact that you say Yidras means that it's probably 2017, then, would be my guess. 2017 is the one coming out this year, Jeremy. Oh, then 2016. Well, I'm dumb. <laughs> this is easy. Whatever the newest one is. That is 2016, and that is what he said in the message that you copied right. and pasted into the Google Hangout chat. Don't worry, guys. We are professional MTG finance guys, clearly. Um, Jeremy's really Doug, good at reading. Do you want to go into exactly why the EV of C16 is so high and what this guy should do with it now that he has all these Yidra stacks? Uh, I mean, 
personally, when I was in your situation, I would just like crack them and sell them on TCG Player or just use them as trade bait to trade up. Um, as to why they're the cards are all spiking, I I'm not like super well versed in that. I wouldn't say that's my wheelhouse. My niche is all bolt comments and uncommons and stuff like that. But I'm I think it's just because the they vastly underestimated the demand of the print run and like I don't know. Am I correct here? I mean like the partner mechanic was super unique. Um Atraxa, Yidris and what are the other ones? Saskia and uh Brea. Brea yeah. are all super yeah. Those are all super popular commanders that show up on EDH trick a lot now. Um people have been waiting for four color commanders for the like twenty years or so. Well ever since EDH I guess. But uh I mean I don't even know, like, is Yidris that great of a buy at Walmart? Because I think at Walmart, the decks are, like, 35 bucks or something like that, plus tax. Even that's... I don't even know if I like that as, like, a slam-dunk sealed purchase. Is the, is the deck really that valuable? I mean, there, it has the Chromatic Lantern. That's the one that has Chromatic Lantern in it, so you just, yeah, like... Yeah, it's got it. Chromatic Lantern, Wheel of Fate, uh, Yidris himself, like... Thrace, I don't remember... I don't I is Thrasos in that one? Because if, if, if you're going to get to that, I think that they're... It has Files Master. Sure. It's, like, nine, right? Yeah, he's up yeah, there. We're waiting. Okay, that I don't know. That's probably the second best one to buy then uh, after Atraxa because those are like mo- mo- some of the most expensive cards from that set. Yeah. I don't uh, know. I what about Brea? To me, to like spend $35, $40 on a sealed product at Walmart, then pay tax on it, and then also like manage to sell it after fees for a reasonable profit. But like, if the deck's worth that much, which I'm not claiming to be an expert on that, um, then sure, I guess, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm less of a fan of just like getting it at Walmart and more of a fan of like finding sweet deals on them on like eBay or Mass Drop or something like that. Because I mean, uh, eBay just, if you're listening to this live, eBay has one of those $15 off coupons for $75 or more today. And uh, you could probably find like a set of five decks or something for reasonably underpriced if you'd use that. So. Going off um, Don Glare, almost every deck has an EV of over $50. So the reason why I think this is in your wheelhouse is I think you pop them, sell the rares, and keep the commons and uncommons to go up over time in the long term. Yeah, I sure, think Kodama's like reaches and all that. Well, even random commons from any of the commander sets are starting to see uh, buy list appeal at uh, nickels and dimes. And I think over time that will continue to grow for some of these otter cards. You mean like Ash uh, Barons being $2 already? Yeah, and like Thought Vessel and stuff like that. I really like just selling all the rares and then putting everything else in a box and not looking at it for a couple of years. That's fine. So uh, I'll kind of provide the flip side to this. Um, I actually like a lot of the sealed sets a lot. Um, you can hold them. Like if you're still able to find them at your Walmart, there's a very good chance that you'll be able to flip them on- online. Like Amazon is a reasonable out. Shipping out deal on Amazon is kind of a pain, but Amazon is great for those casual kind of things. Um there was a period briefly when Attraxa was kind of its all-time high. You could sell that deck for like $93 on Amazon before fees. So that nets you like like high 70s-ish, which is insane. Um, so at this point right now, if you were able to like slowly snipe these sets, uh, one of the easiest things to actually move is a set of five, which will probably net you like, you could probably sell it for like $320 right now, and that'll be a snap sell. Yeah, it, it's, yeah it's very bizarre because like each of the sets individually together don't add up to 320 but there's a huge demand for commander players to buy all five at once. So they own all five. 
Um, what are those on eBay like right now? Just for like a set of five? Because now I'm gonna feel dumb if it's like a set of them is like three hundred or something like that. Because I, I, I know, I'm just used to the set of five commander decks being like a buck fifty, and then you. Yeah. No, yeah, like if if you if you look on them, like you definitely see complete listings from some of the bigger stores. I think like north of three hundred for them. Jeez. I mean, the the lowest yeah. price on TCG Player for the full set is three thirty nine, or three forty. So, yeah, this see, doesn't sound wait, ter so, terrible. Well, follow up question from me, uh, based on this fact, like my LGS has a bunch of, like, the. The non-black one, like the crappy one, and then the uh, the Idris one. So, like, are are those just great buys if I can like cut him a deal and just take them all out because they haven't sold in like a few weeks? Yeah, like that's what I've been doing with other shops in the area. I think cost is either a hundred or one twenty-five. I forget exactly because I'm not looking at our uh, order right now. But I've just been basically saying, hey, I'll pay you a buck seventy for each set of five you give me, and then just busting them all the commander because like we have so much commander demand, like. We sold uh, like 12 Atraxas this week just for me busting, and we're out of Atraxa again. And like obviously those people will grow disillusioned with it and sell it back to me at half of that, and I just keep double-dipping on those cards. Um, but I'm selling out of all the partner commanders real fast. Like Obviously this is something that may not work if you don't have a, a shelf, but for my specific situation it works. And I've just been slowly filling a uh, five-row with all these commons and uncommons to just not look at for a year or two. So that's my strategy. I think these commander decks, the the ones that just came out last year, are particularly interesting and particularly good to hold in the long term because four color cards are so hard to reprint, and the partner guys are also so hard to reprint that eventually these cards will just be too expensive until there's a, like a commander anthologies. Because like the only reason, the only place you can reprint Idris is in a five-color deck or another four-color deck. So if they do one, two, or three-color decks, which are more uh, more popular and more easily done and more often done, then you can't reprint any of those cards. So like single-color rares like Deep Below Skate are probably can be reprinted more times because it's just a mono-blue card. But when you have these cards like Vile Smasher, that's a two-color partner commander, there's just going to be, there's just not, there's just not going to exist, and there's not going to be more of them made. So even the decks that are not very good right now, eventually will be expensive because they're just not going to make more of them. Um, and and even if they do, they only do the most popular ones. So like, the if they do like a commander anthologies kind of thing, like they just did this year, they'll probably do the Atraxa deck and not the Brea or the Idris or Saskia or you know, any of the other ones. So all of those cards, I think, have a lot of long-term upside just because it's just so hard to print again. Like, if they do four-color commanders again, then they'll all probably be back. But if they don't do that, when are we ever going to see them again? Yeah, that's a real good point that you bring up. Uh, anything you want to add to the commander stuff, Travis? Nope. Everybody talking before me. <laughs> not, a lot, not a lot to add. Um, just real quick, because I felt like this needed to be answered live, because we did get some messages about it. Someone wants to know if Cardsphere is sponsoring us in any way. Uh, yes, all of us are being sponsored. Jeremy, Card most of all. Okay, can we actually... We're not getting anything from Cardsphere. We talked about them two months ago, and we uh, talked about them last week. 
we're not getting any promotional materials from them or anything money-wise or cards or exposure, nothing like that. There was no arrangement. We just said, hey, we're going to review this and we'll do that. And then uh, the guy who, according to his comment history, is uh, very vocal for uh, Puka Trade being the best trading platform out there instead of cards here, decided to ask us that. <laughs> so, yep, uh, just uh, saying we're not sponsored by Cards or anything, only cool stuff. Now, I have had one of the guys, I think from Cardsphere, offer me, make me an offer, but it was through Cardsphere. I can send him a card if I want to. <laughs> but that's it. I, then actually, I'm not even sure it's him. I have to say, I've had about a, like $1,500-ish worth of cards on Cardsphere so far. And I don't know if you guys have been using it much, but I'm not loving the numbers I'm seeing here. I, like, I've seen one guy who will give me 17% under market value for a card and everything else has been 25% under or worse, which is not a favorable exchange if you're the guy selling. So I've got, I've had matches from day one and I have not set it, sent a single card. Meanwhile, I'm continuing to buy up my buy list in the shop. So people just really want to get out of these eternal masters uncommons or are just desperate to build up trade, trying to trade up, I guess that's what I can. That's like my only guess on that. I mean, it, I guess it really also depends on what kind of stuff you're asking for or trying to get rid of like, people are if you're if you're okay buy listing things then you'll be able to do that here or do close to that here if you're trying to get tcg player level of of money then you're probably not going to get that at least not until it gets popular and competitive enough or the cards that you're trying to sell are moving fast enough that people can afford to pay a larger percentage good point um you guys want to do more viewer questions you want to talk about the next subject if there's more questions, I might as well answer them. I mean, we had like 50 questions for last week across our platforms. Wow. Uh, with Bruce Gray at bgray8791 asks, with shadows rotating out in a few months, are there any sleeper EDH picks to target now when prices bottom out? Doug? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Mines dilation, I think, is one of the more popular ones that I've seen uh, some hubbub about. Uh, it's really good in multiplayer games. It just lets you do silly things, and it's a bulk mythic now. Uh, I'm perfectly fine with, like, at the shop, I just scoop them up at quarters and then throw them into a box for later. Um, two years from now, it might be, like, 3 or $4. It might not, but super low-risk card. It's from... Is that... That's Elder's Moon, right? Uh, yeah, he specifically to... wanted to know about Shadows. Yeah, it's Elder's Moon. Did he specify that he wants to know about shadows? That was the first. He used the set for it. He used SOI and then said shadows. Yeah. So I think specifically he may have a lot of shadows bulk sitting around. Okay. Um. I don't know about that. Then let me get back to you. I'm I'm a real big fan of Startled Awake. Uh, that is a flip mythic, so there just are less of them, and it's pretty close to bulk right now. Uh, the Git Rock Monster is another one that's like pretty popular in Commander. I'm not sure if Startled Awake is another breaking and entering, though. I like uh, it way better for the casual appeal of just turning it into an oh, unblockable guy. That's the reason that we all picked up breaking and entering at the Dragon's Maze pre-release was like, oh, this will be like 25 cents or 25% of Glimpse the Unthinkable in like three years. Then that didn't happen. Just based on I think people, I think I think that people got confused by the card because it also has like it, you can't play it in weird commander decks because it also has a red cost on it. Like you can play this in a mono blue or a blue black mill deck, 
in Commander, but you can't play that breaking entering in anything except for Grixis. So you all your mill commanders can't play. Represented a lot in Commander because I think like I I understand that mill is great for casual, but um, in my experience, I've never really sold mill mill cards to Commander players who are trying to like mill out four people unless they're doing something infinite. That's just my experience. I've never like seen Mill as like a viable. I'm, I'm not saying that it's the only thing that happened. I'm just saying that it could be a reason why it was not as popular as it could have been. Sure. I'm I'm pretty confident saying Mill is a 60 card. De- as a 60 card deck card, not a 99 card. This is also deck is, card. This card, yeah. This card also synergizes with one of the better Mill cards, which is Mesmeric Orb, because if you Mill it with Mesmeric Orb, you can bring it back into play. Yeah, it's combos. Um, I'm looking through Shadows over Innistrad right now, and I think the best one that I see is Gitrog Monster, which you can pick up at like a dollar a piece right now, um, which is pretty darn cheap for a very cool mythic um, that I think will have pretty strong EDH support for a while uh, and has like an ultra outside chance of showing up in Modern too. So, you know, for a buck a piece, I would definitely be stashing these. I also really like Mind's Dilation. It's a good one. Ed, anything that you're looking at? Uh, not that good off the top of my mind right now. <laughs> I really like Arling Cord when she rotates down to like $3. I think this is a Flip Planeswalker that can't get reprinted. And it's the flip side's okay, the front side's not great. Um, but I just really like Planeswalkers when they rotate. It's like something I've always been a big fan of. I I had a similar thought about Arlen Cord. I was like, oh, Flip Planeswalker. This seems like it should be valuable. But I, I just don't feel like the Flip cards have done as well as people wanted them to do. What was that one, Garrick? Uh, Relentless, right? It's up to 650 from three. But I mean, like, in eight years, seven yeah, years. 2012? Garrick mm-hmm. topped out at like 10, didn't he? Just because of like legacy play? Well, yeah, he was seeing playing Nick Fit. Yeah, so like if you had some sort of constructed appeal to the card, that's something else. But I'm talking about purely like this card won't see play in any constructed format after it rotates. We don't expect it to. How much is it really going to get from like casual support and novelty support? I mean, Chalice and, of Life was really great for like being just a casual card that climbed up to a dollar. Yeah, but isn't that because it's played rather than like what it is? I mean, we we're essentially giving Arlen Cor- saying Arlen Cord is going to rise in value strictly because it's a flip planeswalker. Like, there's no other reason that someone would want that card. It's not actually. I think good. it has casual player, casual appeal to werewolf like builders too. Maybe I'm not. I mean, that's quite possible. Maybe you're not wrong. And I'm just you know if you if you but if you consider Arlen Cord as only being essentially a novelty, I'm not sure there's enough appeal there. You know, compared, you know, I'm thinking of something like Stormcrow, right? Like Foil Stormcrow. Like that card has no playability outside of just being amusing for what it is, right? Like I don't think she's going to see a price increase like Stormcrow, Foil Stormcrows. So I think that Arlen Cord's a little bit better than that. I think it's actually a pretty reasonable card to play in a casual deck because it lets you attack with your big green or red creature immediately. And there's literally no downside to it because it gets Vigilance and Haste. So you just get to pop them in the face and and also on defense. I know that sounds really weird, but that's like a thing that I've noticed when I play with less competitive people is they're much more likely to attack the creatures that have Vigilance if there's no downside. Like there's no obvious like it's going to die in combat kind of thing because they're also able to block. People are 
very scared when they're not able to block with all of their creatures for whatever reason. So, I don't know. I think Arlen Cord's like a pretty reasonable red green planeswalker. Like, I think it's probably the third best after Domri and Xenagos. Maybe Sarkon's better than Xenagos. I'm not really sure. Um, but this is pretty, it's a pretty reasonable planeswalker. Okay. Do you guys say so? Um, this one, well, I, I think Doug can answer this. Ed will be right back to answer this as well. Um, Johnny at Goku023 asks, would you rather trade up into power or duels? If duels, would you rather have more revised duels or less unlimited? Uh, I think that depends on your situation specifically, and that might seem like a cop-out answer, but um, if you're in a position where you can travel to a lot of events and you can go like to different states and attend GPs and then do trading there with power, um, I think power is your best bet because people in that room at the GP will have a lot bigger binders and they'll be more willing to just like trade away their entire binder, and then you can like trade. Like you can trade like three or four hundred dollars worth of standard cards into like four or five hundred dollars worth of modern cards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just trade your way up to power and then take that thousand dollar ruby and then turn that into like fifteen hundred dollars worth of modern cards at a GP. Um whereas if you're somebody who doesn't have the ability to travel as much, um, I would go for dual lands just because those are a lot more appealing to the local crowd. Um it's a lot harder to move like a seven hundred dollar card in your local scene. As opposed to just like, oh, here's a Tundra for your EDH deck. Oh, here's a like two or three damage drops for your legacy deck, like that kind of thing. I would like to agree with what Doug said there. If you're not planning to go places where you can easily trade a mox for a bunch of stuff that you want, or you're just planning to sit on it, um, just get the crappiest, least like expensive duels that you could possibly find. I recently found some that I owned previously and forgot about. And I still have the near mint underground C because it's just so, it's just too much more expensive than all the other ones. Like I got rid of all the other duels cause they were played. Um, and I, at one point in time had a, uh, an unlimited volcanic Island. That was just the most a miserable thing to try to sell because some vendors, you would just like look at the card and they'd be like, I don't want this because they're just, they're just more expensive for no reason. They look exactly the same. Ed, would you rather have power or duels and of duels revised or unlimited? Uh, duels. Like, duels just... It gets exponentially harder to sell things as they get more expensive. Um, there will always be people asking for duels. The market for power is a little bit too narrow. Um, I think we're kind of at the point where basically everyone who's buying power, either they're very specifically trying to upgrade pieces for the vintage deck, or they're basically just trying to buy power to flip it in some form or another, like Doug had mentioned. Um, so whereas duels, they're just ubiquitous enough. They're kind of at the sweet price point where they're not too terribly expensive. They have a lot of applications, obviously. Um, I just rather have duels. It's just so much easier to sell. It's it's not like you know, two hundred dollar underground C is not like five times easier to sell than like a thousand dollar piece of power. It's like fifty times easier to sell, and for that reason. Um, just liquidity on things is is kind of what I hold like that, that's kind of like why I prioritize and duels like it's really hard it, it's hard to get something that's like much more liquid than duels. I'm um, I'm inclined to agree with Ed for sure here, and I also think you get the unlimited duels. I, I'm actually actually what? listed. Hmm. 
you you like unlimited over revive like all of us just said like revised duels get the most beat ones you can are you disagreeing with all of us well, I mean, it depends heavily on what you're doing with them, I think, which we don't really have. Do we have that information? That wasn't part of the question, was it? It was not. Yeah. So like it doesn't know if you're buying these for your own personal collection, I would get the unlimited duels. Honestly, I'm selling some of my revised duels today because I think the market on those is has been soft for a while and is only going to get softer. So if you're picking them up for yourself to have the unlimited ones are going to stand up much better as a collector's item, especially in good condition. You don't think that those are harder to get rid of down the road? Mm, I mean, you, so Jeremy, Ed, and Doug are certainly looking at this from a vendor perspective, which is about grinding liquidity and card throughput. So um, being able to move cards that are ex faster is extremely important to them because they make a margin on every sale. For guys like me, it's useful, but it's a lot less important um, because you're not like, you're more interested in maximizing value on every transaction than you are in executing 2000 transactions a week type of thing. Um, so even though they are a little trickier to move, you'll ultimately probably make a little more money on them as opposed to revised ones. I think if you're willing to be a little more patient. I would argue that trading away revised duels for standard cards is the easiest way to make money in this industry. Uh, it's possible too. You can trade them down and sell everything on TCG and rinse and repeat. Sure, and that's what I mean. Like, if you're if you're trying to run it like a store and just churn inventory, then I'm yeah. not even saying that. I'm saying you get like you get five extra revised duels that you're putting your capital into, and since you'll have those five extra duels that your trade partner might want to see at like an event that you go to once a year, you can trade the away specs percentage. You can trade that stuff away just to sell stuff on TCG. Because in my experience, I mean, I know Ed's is completely different. A lot of players want to buy duels after they see them face to face. Uh, well, especially unplayed stuff. I don't disagree with any of that. It's just that still fits the same description of guy who's buying them essentially from a vendor perspective. Like all you want to do is buy and sell. Like you have no, you have no interest in the card as something other than a product, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. It really depends on how much you want to work. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the whole point of MTG finance. What's your time worth? Um, the answer is always zero. <laughs> yeah, it's basically zero. Uh, someone wants to know about the upcoming Commander anthology set that releases on Friday. This is wait, also wait, is that Commander twenty seventeen anthologies or twenty sixteen? Yeah, twenty seventeen. Um, I talked about how much of a fan I am of uh, picking up Kalia when it hits its floor. You just completely missed that, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, is there anything that you guys are looking for out of the twenty seventeen reprints that you were looking to snag? All of the commanders, the box commanders are foil, three of them for the first time. Those are the things I'm most excited about. I'm so a little salty just because I have a foil Marin right now in my Sovereign deck that I got from the proxy guy, and I was kind of happy that I had one of the only foil Marins out there and that there wasn't an alternative. But um, You can I guess continue I actually to use that one. No, but, you could just keep using that one. I don't think it matters. Well, I mean, I have a rule with the deck. Like, If it exists in foil, I have to get it in foil. Like, I have to get a real one. Oh, okay. Well, it's, yeah. You're, it's you're a shame getting... that you don't know anyone on the rules committee that can be willing to bend that for you. Well, I mean, like, I don't want to... I don't know. I've So far, I've only gotten the proxy from Proxy Guy if it doesn't exist in foil. If it exists in foil, I just play with, like, a real copy. Like, I have a foil Phyrexian Tower in there, a foil... My, uh... Whatever, man. It's your deck. Do what you're going to do. 
I will. Anyway, for people that care about things, uh, it, it's the first time that Marin, Fraley's, and Derevi, which is the Bant guy, not the Red Planeswalker, are going to be printed in foil. And it's only those and it's only those three cards in Kalia. Those are the only foils in the entire deck. I don't really know why, because I really wanted a foil Titania, but we'll figure it out later. Um, those are the most those are the most interesting cards out of that whole set, I think. Anyone else? I didn't really think much of it. I haven't paid attention. I mean, I, I think this is a slam dunk. The MSRP on these things is going to be super high, and with a lot of players not having much money with Iconic Masters coming up still, and Ix, or, uh, Hour of Devastation and all this other stuff, I really like targeting this stuff uh, in Japan specifically the week after release, but uh, on an American market, I like targeting it in December when cards naturally go down. I think that's when some of this stuff may hit their lows. Um, and that's when I'll be looking at like Star City games, $1 sales and stuff like that to snipe like the soul rings and stuff again. Um, that seems like a place where you guys, where any listener can make a good amount of money a year later. So what I'm kind of, sorry, I'll, what I'm kind of more interested by is like the nature of the seal product. Like earlier, we kind of talked about Commander 2016. I wonder if people are going to kind of adopt the mentality of buy it, hold it, and try and flip it later. Because like the the trend on these haven't been great. Like dual deck anthologies was kind of successful, but that was like the first one. Uh, Play chase anthologies is kind of a bust. Like I, there's so many at the store that we basically can't sell at anywhere close to MSRP or even like slightly above cost or like i've seen them like basically at cost plus five dollars at some stores because they just bought so many um i kind of uh what happened with like the original commander set because the original commander set came out everyone played with them cracked them enjoyed them whatever then commander 2013 came out with nekusar and at that time the all the original decks were starting to climb up in like double msrp or whatever so everyone held onto the nekusar deck and it didn't do anything like once true name like fell from its peak or whatever so there's a lot of people who just got caught with their pants down against with like holding a billion Commander 2013 decks for like five years. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious if that's gonna be the case. Like, obviously, like given the like how super short printed Commander 2016 was, like, is it going to be kind of the opposite where this is just like heavily overprinted, and now everyone that has a chance to uh, everyone that has a chance to buy is just gonna be, oh, I'm just gonna take up my copies and then and just hold them until it does go up in value. Anything you want to add, uh, Travis or Jim? Nope. I guess Jim is dead. You guys want to add? Yeah. The stuff at the beginning, I don't have anything else to say. Okay. I'm pretty sure we've all explained our uh, our positions uh, more so than we probably wanted to. Um, anything else that you guys want to cover this week? Uh Jace the Mind Sculptor will be in Iconic Masters. I'm not disagreeing with you, but we know nothing about the set. Just I had that thought today. I'm like, I'm going to share this. This is insightful. There yep. you go. And, and must fulfills a of like a month after, and then you buy them all, and then everyone's going to freak out expecting it gets unbanned, then it like goes up by like three dollars, and you make a bunch of money. Seems good. I, I am. I am. So I'm going to be interested to see what the second Planeswalker they put in that set is. It's 
I'm going to point out real quick before we discuss that it is uh, Iconic Masters is in English, Chinese, and Japanese. So, and not Russian, damn you, Watsi. Aren't all, most of the supplemental products not in that language? Correct. No. I could have spent zero dollars on a Modern Masters foil Venser, but I had to buy a Future Sight one. Jeremy, it's fine. In like just like 10 years, all Magic products will just only be in Russian. Yeah, I mean, it's only cardboard anyway, so who really cares in the end? You guys want to get into the pick of the week? Never. Only right. if you sing it. Oh, Doug's back on, so I might as well. Oh, yeah, we haven't, you haven't done that in forever. I forgot about that. Yeah. All right. I try to get it every time. He usually says no. It's time for the pick of the week. All right, Doug, what's your pick? All right, so in honor of me being from Brainstorm Brewery, I'm going to do a breaking bulk pick of the week. Uh, this is a card that um, you might find in bulk or you might really expect to be a bulk common, uncommon, or bulk rare. Uh, just something that you thought like, oh, this isn't really worth any money at all, but it turns out that it actually is. And uh, my pick of the week is from Theros. It is a uh, green-white cat known as Fleecemane Lion. Uh, a lot of people just like ship these to be in bulk wares all the time, and it's actually not a bulk wear. The TCG mid's like kind of close to a dollar, and if you use some sort of BIOS aggregator like Trader Tools, you can find that uh, you can usually buy these these for like thirty five, forty cents sometimes, and that's a nice little like four x multiplier on um just a cat and it sees play in cat casual decks. I've been selling some cat EDH decks at the shop. Um. Just because of that, like stupid Amon Cat, Cat Lord, uh, it's it's a card that was pretty good in standard, and it rotated, and everyone forgot about it, and it's like a dollar, and those are my favorite kind of cards to pick out of bulk, just like one dollar EDH cards that no one thinks about. That's a great catch. Yeah, that sounds like a perfect pick. I can see the aneurysm on Travis's head. It's like right there. Ed, anything you want to pick? Uh, I'm gonna go Chandra Torture Defiance. Um, it's like one. Of, it's like secretly like it, we've we've obviously seen how good it is. Like the the pre-sale hype was like was real, and then no one had a use for it, and then it starts seeing play. Like it sees some play in like uh, Jun and Modern. It's that's probably like a bit of a stretch to say like it's a real modern staple, but I think it's. It's been hovering at like slightly below twenty dollars. Now it's like as low as like sixteen to eighteen. If you can pick these up, I think like a set doesn't cost you very much. A set is probably more than you need. You probably get away with playing two. Uh, I think there will be a point where it like is probably going to be one of the best planeswalkers in standard. Um, we've seen it being used like in the teamer, uh, the teamer Marvel decks out of the sideboard when it becomes kind of a mid range deck. Um, there's there's quite a few cards I'm kind of holding out. If Marvel ever becomes banned, uh, which is a whole different discussion entirely, um, but if we do kind of have a more fair Magic: The Gathering standard format, um, like last week I mentioned, like Virtus Gear Hulk was my pick, Chandra's my pick this week. There's lots of these like these cards are just kind of overpowered by Marvel because they're just too slow to have an effect when people are casting Ulamog on turn four. Um, so Chandra's kind of, Chandra is like my. Uh, the card that I'm like just slowly starting to mass copies that don't sell. Because um, I realistically, I do think it can be powerful enough to be like a $30 Planeswalker at some point during its life for like the next year in standard or whatever. I agree. I think you're really bringing the heat with that pick. 
I will agree sincerely and not just make up stupid puns. She is a really, really good card, so I think that's not a bad idea. I, w- I would like to also note that she goes from four mana to seven mana the turn after if you plus her to make red red so you can cast nickel ball as the turn after Ooh, there you go so if you if you last the whole turn with her in play you can cast nickel balls with an untapped land and that's going to be pretty sweet uh my pick this week is a card that is not very popular right now in standard and is probably too cheap for its own good which is noxious gear hulk i think that's one of the gear hulks that people have just kind of ignored being very good because of how hard it is for it to compete with a lot of vehicles but because smugglers copters banned and gideon in and other planeswalkers that allow uh heart of hearing to attack efficiently are about to leave we could see this more mid-rangey kind of thing where people are playing much larger creatures where a six mana kill your guy and also a big guy is pretty pretty relevant I hope so. I've got a couple. I mean, it's also like a card that I think that people should play in EDH more because it's a kill spell that also can like attack planeswalkers pretty well. Like, I don't think enough people give Menace enough credit for what it actually does. It's actually reasonable evasion. It's probably very accurate. And the light swing also isn't isn't completely trivial. It's a big body and a light swing, so it has a lot of things going for it. If see, the thing is, if like. If Ed's pick a couple is last week, which was uh, Verderous Gear Hulk. If Verderous Gear Hulk is good, Noxious Gear Hulk will also be good because it just lets you kill all the thing that has all the counters on it. Can we agree that they really punted by not naming it Murderous Gear Hulk? I'll give you that one. Um, can it be murderous though if it's a robot and it doesn't have any actual intent to like kill somebody? It's just like programmed to do so. Uh, if you want to get into debating the like character definition of these words, I'm sure you could go through all of magic history and pick a fight. But you can have murderous gearhawk and murderous gearhawk. It's just and it murders. It actually murders so better than murder, but it does kill things. Missed opportunity. That might be why they didn't do it, just for the name confusion. They don't want people to be. Confused. I can only hope. That th- I can hope that that is the only reason they wouldn't have done it. Uh, I'll go since I'm talking. Um, this is, I'm, I'm reluctant to call this an actual pick of the week because I don't know if you can find any copies of these online, but the Cultivate FNM promo is just about out of stock basically everywhere. Um, there's Star City has like two, eight bucks. There's one, I, I have one listed on TCG and there's one other listed other than that, I can't find them really anywhere. So if you can find these, especially at your local store in like the foil binders or something like that, or a promo binder, these Cultivate FNM promos at like five or six bucks or less are, are very good. Um, I've sold like two this week at eight, I think, um, without even really thinking about it. And I think they're going to be 15 uh, within a week or two. Jim, is there another pick that you wanted to talk about? Uh, What? No. Okay. Um, what? My well, we were talking about a different card. I thought. Um, yeah. My, I. Sorry. My pick of the week is either Scrib Ranger or Knight of the Reliquary. 
both are starting to see a ton of play in these legacy Maverick decks that are coming back with uh, uh, Miracles getting the axe. And I think Maverick is very well positioned right now against a lot of the fair creature decks in legacy. So I've been trading for as many knights as I can. Um, and I really like Script Ranger too for both EDH and it's seeing a little bit of play in Maverick. So it's something to keep your eyes on if you find it in bulk. It's an uncommon from time spiral, I want to say. Yep. So if you see any of those, just pull them out. And uh, before we wrap this cast up, uh, I wanted to say thank you to the like 20 people that said hi to me in Vegas or Omaha. God, I'm tired. Uh, we really appreciate you listening to the cast and um, we'll hopefully see all of you guys at Vegas. Uh, but I really appreciated it. So where can people find all of you guys on your social media accounts? Uh, my name is Douglas DJ Johnson. Uh, I write for quietspeculation.com and my articles come out every Thursday. I traditionally write about bulk commons and uncommons, bulk rares, basically just how to make the most of bulk cards that you have sitting around or that other people don't know are worth anything. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Rose of Thorns. You can find me on Brainstorm Brewery at uh, brainstormbrewery.com uh, our podcast comes out every Friday it's another magic finance podcast uh, and is it not really you're right it's not it's, it, <laughs> I believe it's, they it's, advertise it as, yeah it's a lifestyle cast no, that's yeah. money, draft. <laughs> money, no, money draft is Jason's lifestyle podcast brainstorm brewery is uh, the magic lifestyle broadcast podcast the other one is just a lifestyle podcast okay um, well, there's finance information in there because it's me and Corbin Hostler and Jason Alt. So that's it. That's it's two and a half men because Corbin can't walk. I mean, you can also <laughs> you can also find, if we want to do this again, you can also find me on League of Legends at Lux wasn't banned. You can find me on blah blah blah. Yeah, that's a, that's a hurry. That's a dead joke that we haven't brought back in a while. Yeah, you haven't been back in a while to bring it back with you. Exactly. That's why I brought it back. Ed, where can people DJ find you? bring the beat back. Uh, I'm with Cronin's Game Store. I am uh, their buyer. Uh, Twitter handle is at Edwin13. I'll be in Vegas in two weeks. Uh, just just a quick note, charity event. Uh, take a picture with any one of us in Vegas holding up Holding up a small note, we support doctors. Uh, gamers supporting Doctors Without Borders. I would donate one dollar to Doctors Without Borders, uh, the charity. Uh, doctorswithoutborders.org is the URL. You can read more about it. Um, I have Jeremy uh, and two other good friends matching donations. So for every one, for every person that does this and reposts it to social media. Uh, showing that we actually do care and we're not just a bunch of nerds. Uh, $4 gets sent to Doctors Without Borders and it takes a minute of your time to do so. Um, so I don't know how many people you got in, in uh, Omaha to that, Jeremy, but... Uh, it's like 300 this, bucks right now. That's awesome, right? Yeah. And yeah, so uh, so it's like $1,200 already, assuming that I can get other people to match that as well. Um, but it, it's a minute of your time. You have five days to do it. Uh, most of us will be there every day. Uh, just take a minute of your time. Uh, Donate to a good cause. Jim? My name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. I write for Modern Nexus every week and Gathering Magic every other week. 
And I am Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter, wizardbumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write for MTG Price every Monday. I do the MTG Fast Finance podcast at the same website. And if you like playing Magic, check out Scry.Land. Find Magic in your area. And then are there any shout-outs you guys want to give to specific people this week before we log off? No. I want to give a shout-out to my coworker Matt, who the day after the podcast came out, asked me how many Domeries I bought, and I told him none. Okay. Okay. I'm Domery. Yeah, so I think it was, was it last cast or the cast before, or my pick of the week was Domery, and he was like, how many of those did you buy? And I was like, none yet. Is that just a really grueling pick for you to like figure out how many to buy? Yeah, exactly. Um... I'm Zemet. You can find me at Zemet Sells Magic on Twitter. You can find me on YouTube at uh, Lengthy Zemet. You can find me in the great state of Missouri in either St. Louis or Columbia, where I currently am. Uh, shout out to all the people that came up to me at Omaha. I had a friend who was bitching about our podcast, and this guy with the uh, Twitter handle at BabyFaceAssassin came up as he was bitching about it and said, hey, aren't you the guy from Cartel? And my friends asked me how much I paid him to do that. So we got a couple good laughs out of that. Uh, by the way, I still owe you money for paying you to do that. Um, we will probably do a GP Vegas vendor review this upcoming Saturday or Sunday. I'm flying out Sunday for Vegas, so I hope we can get it done before I fly to Vegas at like midnight. Um, but thanks for listening to Cartel Aristocrats number 57. It was a pleasure having Doug on, and as always, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.